Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit with subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio. I'm so glad you joined us tonight. Whatever time zone you're listening to and whatever part of the world you're listening to, um, I'm glad that you've joined us tonight. Dr. Frank Sumrall is continuing his teaching on the book of Daniel for his Bible study every every week that we're having it at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, he's going to be leading us at some point in communion, so uh, please prepare accordingly. And without any further ado, Dr. Frank Summerall, I'm going to hand it over to you. Take your liberty in the Holy Ghost. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. I appreciate it. Thank you for being there and uh, answering questions, different things, you can write those down whatever you need to do. But it, we're having a good time. We're being blessed. So we are studying in the book of Daniel. Daniel, it mentions, has to do with seven world empires from 616 B.C. to eternity. This is the only book that does that. All the way from 616 B.C., before Christ, all the way to the time where Jesus comes with his saints. Not for his saints, but comes with his saints. That is an amazing story in itself. As we've been going through chapter by chapter, we're over to chapter 6. We're halfway through because Daniel has 12 chapters. We're in chapter 6. But in the basis that we see here, it's an amazing thing how that each particular chapter has a special word for us. And going through the different chapters that we talk about, we're talking about a situation in regard to what God has said to mankind. And God has put this in the heart of Daniel. And as he was taken captive from Jerusalem, taken all the way to Babylon. Now, one of the things that they found out, just like Joseph, as we look in the life of Joseph, you find that his character had no blemish. The same way as with Daniel, his character had no blemish. It's an amazing thing that they had such a hold on God that nothing could stop them. For example, you think Joseph, he was deceived by his brothers, that he was taken, he was thrown into a dry pit, and they took his beautiful coat, and they put animal blood on it, and they lied to their father, and they said, some animal has destroyed your son because of jealousy. The whole thing's jealousy. And so when that took place, they sold Joseph, and he went down into Egypt. The Ishmaelites picked him up and took him on down to Egypt. And they thought they would never see him again. But here's an interesting idea and thought, that when God gives you a dream, it shall and will complete full circle. Because when God does that, 
he puts that dream inside your heart. That's the dream that Joseph had. Joseph had a dream to put it in his heart. In fact, he told his brothers that they were going to bow before him. And then he talked about the fact that his mother and father, and they got upset. So wait a minute here. You mean we're going to bow before you? Well, it took a little time to do it. It took all the way from talking about in specifics how that it took time for him to mature there in Egypt, to be blessed in Egypt, to come to leadership in Egypt. And what God allowed to happen was a drought for the whole world, and then they were pulled into it, and they came down seeking food, and guess who was distributing the food? Their brother. Joseph spoke in both languages. He spoke to Egyptian and Hebrew. While speaking, he knew what they were saying. And they were saying that maybe God has allowed this to happen because we've been so wicked with our brother. Now, they didn't know that the man that they were asking seed from was their own brother, Joseph. So Joseph excused himself, went probably behind some kind of curtain or something like that, and he cried and he uh, came back and recomposed. And so the life of Joseph had no blemish. He had no anger. He had no bitterness. He didn't hold anything back. But he was a man sent from God. And his dreams, Joseph's dreams, brought salvation to the country of Egypt. That means that they were saved from starvation. So when God gives you a dream, it's for a purpose, it's for a plan, it's for a reason, it's for design. And as God put inside of Joseph the dreams of heaven, Egypt was spared. And so now we meet another man. His name is Daniel. Daniel was taken away from as a slave from Israel, from Jerusalem. And it all happened because Israel was not paying attention. They didn't pay attention to God, they, and God allowed them to go to captivity for 70 years. In that 70-year time, there was Daniel and his friends that came with him. We'll, we'll pick up on this just a minute here. But here's where I want to bring something out to you, that when God has a plan and a purpose for your life, I want to direct your attention over here to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, the first chapter, it talks about Jeremiah receiving this call from God. And so all of the people of God that have a definite call in their life, God speaks to them in a specific manner. This is in verse 4 of chapter 1 of the book of Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. That's when you were in the belly of the mother. Amazing. I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, oh, Lord, I can't speak. I'm a child. And the Lord said unto me, don't say you're a child, for you will, I will send you whoever I send you to. Whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces. I'm with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. He said, I put my words in your mouth. See this day, I have set you over nations, over kingdoms, to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, build in the plain. So that word was given specifically to Jeremiah. So we see that God has a pattern. He has a time period. He moves very carefully. 
and very wonderfully how that our lives, see, there's no one out there listening to me right now that God has not planned something for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the time that you were in your mother's God had a plan for you to set you free, to let the glory of God come upon you and for you to be a living testimony on the earth to the power of Almighty God. That's why we're alive on the earth today. That's why we're bringing messages of this nature because of the fact that God makes no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. And in the process, we do a process of time, God has all these things set up, according to Jeremiah, according to Joseph, and according to the very... You say, well, how can you prove that? Turn over here to Jeremiah, chapter 29. And a lot of you will know where I'm going because this is so much, so powerful and wonderful. To those of you listening, you're born again, you love God, this is what God says about us. He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Hallelujah. He said, you shall call upon me, and I shall go and pray unto me, and I will listen to you. And when you seek me and find me, and when you search for me with all of your heart. That's our responsibility is going seeking after God with all our heart. So that brings us right in there. That's, that's a beautiful segue to come to the point in time where we're looking at Daniel here, a man of integrity, a man that knew his God. And the only way those wicked princes could destroy Daniel was not by what he did, but how he worshipped his God. And it even says that. That was the only way that was possible for them to do such damage to a man called Daniel. We know that what happened in the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel, how that Belshazzar, that, that, I mean, it was Belshazzar, that was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. His kingdom was destroyed, taken from him. And so Daniel lived through those times, through Nebuchadnezzar, to uh, Darius, and also Xerxes, and, or, or uh, Cyrus. And so as we see the con- the continuity that God has set forth. So amazing. So so utterly amazing. Now, let, let's look at a few things here. Let's look over at uh, the sixth chapter of the book of Daniel. And uh, what, what I've said written down here is quite interesting because as children, as we are raised in God, some of the things that God has placed in us, even so we're children, that God has put some thoughts and plans and ideas and purposes in our hearts. I know that if I would ask for a show of hands, and I could see you out there, a lot of you would raise your hand, that when you were taught the Bible story, you had a favorite story. One of my favorite stories was David and Goliath. I love David and Goliath, knowing that David killed this monstrosity of a man. He was nine foot six several hundred pounds more than he weighed. He was a man of war from his youth, the Bible said. And uh, there again, David had the word of God in his heart. He knew the word of God. He was singing songs to God. He was a worshiper. He praised. He magnified. And so when he was ready to meet Goliath, he was ready. So as he went into the camp, he started telling the people, he said, why do you let this uncircumcised Philistine out here Give all these bad words to our God. Why are you doing that? Now, his brothers were in there. 
They were real upset with him. They said, now, wait a minute here. It's all right for you to bring us some food, but don't you start lecturing us on what we should and should not do. And that's exactly, he said, wait a minute here. This is what the word is. Why are you letting an uncircumcised Philistine, which they were saying, or what David said, he said, this uncircumcised Philistine is not under the covenant of God. He's an enemy to God. He needs to be destroyed, and why are you putting up with it? And so as he came before Saul, Saul asked him all these questions, and Saul said, yes, I did kill a lion, I did kill a bear, and here's the good news. That man out there called himself Goliath, and God's going to take care of him too. So then he, he tried to put the armor on him. He said, wait a minute, I haven't tried this armor. It's too heavy for you, a great man, you're a big man. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. So he ran out of the place. He went down there. He went down to a brook. He picked out five smooth stones. You say, why? Do you think he was going to miss? No. Goliath had four brothers. And so David was going for the family plan. That's what he was going to do. He was going to take them out. And so the very number, watch this right here. Let's look over this here in a minute. Because the very words of David in the direction, talking about what he was going to do, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, they're so powerful, so wonderful, so glorious, that when he was speaking these words, the giant... What he was doing was mocking him. That's what the world will do. They will try to mock us and try to ridicule us and try to put us down and say, oh, you're nothing, you're nobody. But I like these words right here. In the 17th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, this is what it said. He said, you come unto me with a sword and with a spear. Ha <laughs> ha. You start talking about this, start saying exactly what he's going to do. And after he went down to that book, he picked up five. And so... This begins in verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come unto you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Now, what you might not know, the name the Lord of hosts means that it has to do with the fact of, of the God of battles, Jehovah Shabbat. Jehovah Shabbat is the Lord of hosts. He said, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, not your little God, not a God that you serve, the fish, see, the, the, what, what they used to worship was a half man, half fish. That was the Philistine God. That's what they worshiped. But David said, wait a minute here. He said, God Jehovah is going to take care of us. And notice what he said. He said, I come unto you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Then he began to prophesy. <laughs> this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will smite you. I'm going to take your head from you, and I'll give your carcass to the host of the Philistines this day, to the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth. Why? Why do you want to do that? Because right here, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Brother and sister, we have come to that point, to that time, here in America, that it's time for everyone to know that we have a God here in America. His name is Jehovah. We will serve him. We will praise him. We will worship him. We're not afraid. We're not ashamed. And it's time to lift up the banner. Hallelujah. And defeat the enemy every time. So as David came and said that, he picked up a stone and in his sling. 
And he got ready. And he ran to meet the Philistine. And when he did that, he was swinging around and around by centrifugal force. And the power of the Holy Spirit was behind that, that swing and that shot. And as he was swinging that thing around and around and around and around and let it go, it was the only vulnerable spot on the giant was the forehead. And that stone penetrated the giant's head. And he fell down. But the giant wasn't dead. So David ran over to the giant, picked up Goliath's sword, and cut his head off. Honey, when you cut somebody's head off, they are dead. He made sure that the giant with Bible says when Phil Science saw it, they ran for their lives and the victory was there. The victory was there. But did you realize when you have any probably you thought of that? From the time that David killed Goliath to the time of his kingship was eighteen years. So it doesn't happen overnight. There are things that really don't place overnight. So in the response to this, we're saying that we're following the character. We're following what God has done through man. And because we breathe air, because we have life, we have legs, we have arms, we have torso, we get different parts of our bodies, that we are the walking, living, moving children of the Most High God on this earth to bring forth the glory of God. So when that happened, what he was talking about, he said, this is a Philistine. He's not under the covenant of Almighty God. That's what he said, all these different words, and then he had the action to those words. Amazing. Totally amazing. Totally amazing. Now, let, let's look over here at Daniel. Now, Daniel, he had seen some mighty things. He was with his friends. One of the things when he was there in Babylon, he had all these things happen to him. And what was so amazing is when he got there, now we can preach on this for a little bit, I'm going to just touch on this for a while, that when he came to Babylon, the first thing they did to him is they changed his name. They changed his name. They changed his name from the Hebrew name to the Babylonian name. Now, I'm here to say that whatever name tag the devil has placed onto you, whether it be sickness, whether it be any kind of sin, whether it be pain, whether it be distress, whether it be poverty, whether it be some kind of lack, whatever kind of thing has come on you, whatever name the enemy has put there, today is your day of salvation. God can set you free. His power, His glory, His majesty come on you and overtake you and cause His blessings to come on you. Hallelujah. Our God is ready to do that, ready to set the captive free, ready to cause the good things of heaven to come down and to cause to bless His children. So, all this, then he had to be exactly as they wanted. And so, Daniel said, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm not afraid of you. And what I'm going to do, I shall do that. And there were eight qualifications made by the king. They had to be princes. They had to be young. They had to be without blemish. They had to be handsome. They had to be knowledgeable. They had to be well-educated. They had to be proficient in all sciences. They had to show refinement and polish in order to stand before the kings. So after their name is changed, 
Daniel still hated evil. He said, we're not going to eat the king's food. You know why? Because the king's food was offered to their gods first, and they would not eat that food and cause themselves to be defiled. That's where they were going in that way. And so in that respect, Daniel said, we're just going to have water. We're going to have some pulse. We're going to have some vegetables. We're going to have vegetables and have water. He said, check it out. We're going to do it for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, they appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. That's what our God can do. He promotes us. And so when that started happening, he started getting favored, and all these things started happening. So until that time, then Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream. Now remember, they even called Joseph the dreamer. But Daniel had a special way, too, of seeing things by the Spirit. And what happened here is this king. Now, see, in those days, at the two main places of witchcraft was Babylon and was Egypt. And at Babylon, they had all these sorceries and weird things going on. In Egypt, they had the soothsayers. They had all the other people by astrology and other ways of communication and necromancy, trying to bring back the dead. All of these things were, and you know what God said? He said, every time you come and conquer a nation, you're supposed to destroy that. I was just thinking about that today. I was looking at it over here in Deuteronomy, and God said, when you come into the land, that's where you take out first. You are to take out the enemy. You're supposed to whip them. You're supposed to destroy them. You're supposed to come against them with the authority that I've already placed in you. And uh, this is very powerful and very wonderful because this is something that we need to hear, how that when they came into land, and when they did all these things, this is what. But God says, you will not learn to do after the abominations of the heathen. You will not learn to do after the abominations of the heathen. I'll have a verse for you right here. And exactly what they were supposed to do, how they were supposed to do, how they were supposed to live, how they were supposed to come, what they were supposed to do. But all these things that the enemy tried to destroy and tried to come against the Israelites and tried to steal from them all the things in their life and in their heart and their being. So God said, this is the way. This is the way it has to be. All these wicked things. This is uh, in Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. It said, when you're coming to the land which the Lord thy God gives to you, you will not learn to do after the abomination of these nations. What? Not be found your son or daughter to pass through the fire. You see, we sometimes condemn situations like that, but we're doing the same thing here. Abortion's that way. Not causing that to happen. Listen to me. Not causing that to happen. Giving your sons and daughters to the fire. It uses divination, an observer of times, an enchanter, a witch, a charmer, consulter with familiar spirits, a wizard, a necromancer, bring it back to death. For all that do these things, see, the sin of the cults and the occult has to be learned. It does not come through osmosis. It's not given just anyway. It has to come through the fact that there are people who have trained them in order to go to the cults and in order to go to the occult. 
The occult has to do with witchcraft. The occult has to do with everything that does not believe that the blood of Jesus Christ can set you free. That's a cult. So in these two things, you see this war rather coming on. The war of the spirit has taken place. All right. Guess what it says? When you come into the land, this is what you do. The plane you're supposed to do. So that was God's plan. God says that's the way it's going to be. Now, as we have seen these different ones that love God, serve God, praise God, minister to the Lord. We're getting back over here to where Daniel had this purpose in his heart. Let's look over here in Daniel chapter 6. This has to do with the fact that Daniel, and we'll begin reading over here in the first part of the sixth chapter, it has to do with the fact that that all of those men, that there was 120 princes, and yet there was jealousy among them all, and so they wanted to cast Daniel down. And Darius, to me, in a high position of the government, he proclaimed that he would, Daniel would be the third ruler in the kingdom. And so when he set up his new administration, he remembered the talents that Daniel had. Amazing. Totally amazing. So in that, we see something amazing. All right? In Daniel chapter 6, let's look at it now. Daniel 6. It pleased Darius, who sat over the kingdom 120 princes. That's what that word satrap means, the princes over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, who Daniel was one of them. And so they might give account to them, so the king would permit no loss. And Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the princes. Why? Why did this happen? Because he had an excellent spirit. Aha! <laughs> Listen to that. Daniel had an excellent spirit. So we look under the chain of command, we notice that Joseph had an excellent spirit. We know that the men at that point in time, the ones that served God with intensity, they had excellent spirits. That means that we today can be men and women of excellent spirit. That inside of us, we must do things right. We must do things good. We just don't do it slipshod. We have to do it according to the integrity of our hearts. And the people, the world will see. Actually, when in the New Testament, as they were talking, the Romans, they put a law down that any Jewish person had to carry his baggage for one mile. And what Jesus said, don't go one mile, go two miles. And the question is this, why would Jesus tell them to go two miles? He said, the first mile you must do, but the second mile you do in order to bring them to salvation, in order to tell them. So whoever's treating you in a wicked way, in a, a repulsive way, in a way of hatred, show them love. <laughs> Bless them. Bring them a cake. Bring them a pie. Do good things for them. Because that's the way God operates. The operation of our God is so wonderful. And... Uh, even though there was treachery there on Daniel. Now notice what it said. He had an excellent spirit. And the king gave thought, setting him over the whole realm. In fact, he was going to, hey, I might even put him in the whole realm. So the governors and the princes sought to find some kind of charge against Daniel. 
concerning the kingdom, but they could find no fault. Why? Because he was faithful. That's a quality of the Christian right there. Faithfulness is a quality of the Christian. Knowing God, serving God, worshiping God, loving God. Faithfulness. So he had a faithful spirit. He was an excellent spirit. And there was no error or fault in him. And the men said, we're talking about those princes that tried to get him, to derail him. He said, we cannot find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. <clears throat> and Darius was now the ruler of the Medo-Persian Empire, which destroyed the Babylonian Empire, took all the power. And the head of gold had been given away to the breast and the arms of silver. As you look back there in chapter, in, in, in chapter 2, you see how this, this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had is coming to pass. So uh, Darius set up these princes over the various provinces of the empire. And these princes he appointed three governors of superior officers, of which Daniel was the chief governor. And so these guys were so upset about the fact that he had such prominence in that kingdom they're ready to do anything to destroy him. And so they resented Daniel and attempted to find a way to demote him. A malicious and deceptive plot against Daniel. So these governors, and what they tried to do, and these princes, they thronged before the king and they said unto him, King Darius, live forever. Now they weren't telling the truth. They only said that to get on his good side. And they were trying to give him praise. They were trying to give him and say, well, look who you are. You, you're, you're the great king. You're this, you're that. No. It had nothing to do with that at all. They were liars from the word go. They're just going to butter him up. That's all they were going to do, going to butter him up. And see, there's people on the earth today that when you talk to them real sweet, real nice, real lovely, that they can catch that. They can catch it. Well, anyway, the king, he got taken in by it. And then all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, were in verse 7. And these princes, the counselors, the advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god, now imagine this, who petitions or asks of something from any god for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Well, did they really stack up the deck, huh? Yeah, what do you think about that? They said, oh, king, establish the decree, sign a writing so it cannot be changed. You say, what was the deal here? Well, according to history, if you look back at this, everything they wrote down, they took it on clay. And they would take the writing they put on clay and they would fire it up. In a, and so, therefore, it would be baked. And that's how they had their law. That's what they were talking about. So it would not have been able to erase it, take it out. It was in play, was fixed. And so uh, that's what they were looking for. The establishment of the decree, sign the writing, so it cannot be changed according to the law of the means of the persons, which does not alter, it doesn't change. So therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, I like this. This is, this is one of my favorite verses right here in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, 
He went home. What did he do? He didn't moan and groan. He didn't throw his head under the covers. No, my God, what am I going to do? Whoa, what am I going to do? No. What did he do? <laughs> he opened up the windows that he had in his house, and he threw them wide open. You say, what for? Not for air conditioning. No. Because he was going to do some warfare in the spirit. He was going to pray. And here's what he did in his upper room. With his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day. Not only one, but three times a day. He prayed and gave thanks before his God. How? As his custom was since his early days. <laughs> he was not going to give those people any satisfaction in regard to his relationship to his God. We have some people in America that you just say a few things about what they believe in and they'll back up. Well, honey, it's not time to back up. It's time to roll over anything that gets in your way. I talk about the steamroll of blessing according to Deuteronomy 28 that he's going to come on us and run over us with his blessings. We need to be bold, we need to be brave, we need to be strong, we need to be true. We need to be all these things and more because that's what God puts inside of us. He puts a fire down inside of our spirit. He puts a fire down deep inside of us and the enemy will be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Like they say, get in, get out, or get run over. <laughs> that's what's going to happen too. Get in, get out, or get run over. So as his custom was, he did not fear anything or anybody. So these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or a man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered, said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. That wasn't the law of heaven. That was not the law from the throne room of God. That was a stupid, dumb law made here on the earth. So he was not going to abide by that. And so they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, <laughs> they didn't even call him by Babylonian's name. They didn't call him. Because you know what Daniel means? Daniel means God is my trust. That's what Daniel means. And Daniel knew that it was time for judgment to fall upon these wicked men. That's what's going to happen. And you have situations. Maybe you're working at a job. Maybe somebody is cantankerous. Maybe you have somebody that's speaking against you. Maybe they're trying to undermine those things about you. Maybe they're lying against you. Maybe, folks, turn it over to God and God's going to take care of the thing. My Bible tells me of God before me that who can be against me? Hallelujah. This was many years ago. Uh, I worked in a mop factory, yeah, a mop factory, in the state of Oklahoma, Tulsa. And while at that mop factory, it was pretty arduous, besides taking classes, we had to bend the steel. They had these machines, but you were actually the force behind the machine bending steel for mops. Wasn't that an exalted position? Not really. 
So he had sweat up in there in a sweat bank and everything. I tell you, it was hot. It was hot. Oh, my goodness. You talk about hot. It was over 100 degrees about every day inside there. And we just keep on bending and bending and bending and bending and pulling and pulling. And, and as, several years ago, I was a little stronger then. I had some muscles then. I mean, I had something I could brag about. <laughs> and so, so I was doing that. But anyway, the Lord gave me favor with the boss. He saw I could outwork anybody there. I'm not lazy. I went down there, and I started working and working and working. In fact, I got there early. I knew I only got to get there a certain time. I got there early. I got there sometimes 30, 40 minutes early. And I got my day all planned, ready to go like that. Well, then I said, hey, you're not supposed to be here for a certain time. I said, I know it, but I like to see everything all set out before I start doing it. Yeah, I like the plan. I like the plan. So he said, hey, hey, since you're doing so good, he said, I'm going to give you a, a raise. I said, well, that sounds good. He put me up in a higher position. It got better and better and better and better. And finally, it got to the point where I was one of the leading persons there, just at a young age. And uh, so the Lord gave me faith. But if you will do things God's way, he will always bless his people. Because I know. I've been there. I've done that. I know all about that. Hallelujah. Now, I know that when I say these things, this story is coming more alive than you ever heard before. So, Daniel, he opened up his windows and prayed three times a day. On his knees, loud as he could. I believe he was just about yelling. He didn't fear anybody. He didn't fear anything. So these wicked men were trying to cause him to fall. And so, here it came. And verse 13 says, so the answer said to him, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, trying to despise him, does not show regard for you, king, for the decree that you sign, but makes his petition three times a day. He's saying, Mr. King, you really aren't the king in Daniel's life. You aren't the one. And so, continue. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. That's what he wanted to do for his heart. And he labored to the going down to the sun to deliver him. And these men approached the king and said, King, know, O king, that in the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Like I tried to explain a little while ago, they're baked in clay. So the governors, the princes assembled themselves before the king, and so they proposed a law that was a trap for Daniel. Then they asked for a decree that whoever would petition any man of God except the king would be thrown into the den of lions. This decree included the God of Israel. So uh, he was flattered. The king was flattered, and he signed the decree. His signature made the decree a royal statute. What did he have? He had a puffed-up ego. That's what he had. Exactly. When you start talking about men saying, oh, you can do this and you can do that and you can do the other, mighty, 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 that's what happens. So, what about then? He was ready. So the king, he gave a command, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, now, listen to the faith that the king had in Daniel. He said, Daniel, your God 
whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. That's a wicked king. That's somebody that doesn't know anything having to do about the God of Israel. He had no clue about that, but he knew that the life that Daniel led and the power and the spirit of God behind him, that Daniel's God was able to deliver him from the den of lions. That wasn't more than probably maybe in a pride of lions, at least there were about six. So those pride of lions that were in that den could have ripped up anything at any time. And watch this. It's, it's so amazing. So Daniel wasn't even sweating about it. He had no problem with it. I don't believe he had any palpitation of heart. I don't believe he sweated too much. I don't believe he said, oh, my, what's going to happen to me? He didn't say that. He knew. And this is what happened, verse 17. Then a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den. I mean, they covered it over. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Now the king went to the palace, and he spent the night fasting. No music was brought before him. And also, too, he didn't take a sleeping pill. I just put that in there. But anyway, it said his sleep went from him. Now, what was Daniel going to do? I can see him... uh, I could see Daniel down there singing to the Lord and enjoying himself. And one of these big furry animals coming around there and said, Come over here, Leo. I need your paw right behind my head there. You're going to be a pillow for me. He put that lion over here, put that pillow back. That lion, I don't think that. He said, Now, now, if, if you snore, I'm going to throw you out of here. Anyway, so as he started taking himself and moving the things around, moving these lions around, he slept. I'm sure he was sleeping in a sound way. Because the first thing in the morning, the king, who didn't sleep at all that night, when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice. They go, oh, oh, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, able to deliver you from the lions? Oh, I remember that old song of the church. He's able to deliver thee. He's able to deliver thee. Though my sin oppressed, go to him for rest. My God is able to deliver thee. Hallelujah. Amen. I remember that song. We used to sing that again and again and again and again and again. And and I know the tune, but I'm not the best singer, so I will not sing to you tonight. (laughs) And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. Because I'm not a singer, I'm a preacher. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now watch this. You say, well, those lions weren't even hungry. Now we're going to change that around. Because after that night, and in the morning, the king went into the den of lions, and what happened? Brought Daniel out. And Daniel said, my God, verse 22, he sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. So they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. Notice that the capital H, him. That's the Lord God. Also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. And the king was exceeding glad for him, so he commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Daniel was taken out of the den with no injury found on him. Why? Because he believed in his God. Hallelujah. 
What a word. What a statement. What a promise that we have. Our God is able to deliver us from any kind of thing. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a storm. I don't care if it's a tornado. I don't care if there's a hurricane down here in Florida. I don't care what it might be. But all we got to do is call on his name and speak that mighty name over any problem, and that thing has to stop in Jesus' name. Several years back, I took our youth group, and there was a tornado head towards South Bend. And we just came outside of the church. And we all were praying in the spirit. We all pointed our fingers to the sky. And we said, we rebuke that storm in Jesus' name. Well, 20 minutes later, that storm dissipated. It was gone. We found out later that that storm lifted and hit another area 35 miles away, and it was a cornfield. It had no damage to any person. It hit a cornfield. When we speak to winds, when we speak to issues, when we speak to problems, when we speak to needs, when we speak to sorrows, <laughs> hallelujah, when we speak with the Holy Ghost on the inside, these things shall and will be. They will happen. It will happen. Whatever pain, whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever comes your way, my God is able to deliver you and set you free. That gets back to our story. It has to do with the fact you say, well, maybe the lions weren't hungry. Well, they're going to prove difference to that. So after that, what happened? Verse 24, the king gave command, and they brought those men out and accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions with, with what? Their children, their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces even before they hit the bottom of the den. That means that they were ready, <laughs> ready to take on such a situation, and they did. Notice what happened. King Darius said to all people, to nations, to languages, all that live on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. And verse 26, he said, I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, a steadfast forever. He's steadfast forever. His kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. Boy, I tell you, that king became a preacher. God turned his heart around, turned his mind around, turned his life around, and he started speaking those words. Actually, these words were prophetic words that came out of his mouth. That's an amazing word. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And then what? He didn't finish talking there. Verse 27, he delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He delivered Daniel from the power of the lion. And then it goes on to say, verse 28, so this Daniel, the one that came to the lion den, <laughs> this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Oh, thank God. Oh, hallelujah. So Darius loved Daniel. He would try to find a loophole in the law, but it was binding. The king tried everything, but he was thrown into the lion's den. Daniel's deliverance is mentioned all through the Word of God. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, it said, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Do you know anybody else in the Bible who was in the den of lions? Nobody. Only Daniel. But it mentions the fact that, that the faith inside their hearts stopped the mouth of 
lions. So then his deliverance came through the faith that he had in his God. His accusers, they suffered the fate that they had meant for him. Reminds me of the story of Haman. The same thing, how he tried to take, had tried to weave that little tapestry around, having to do with the fact that he was going to do this and he was going to do that. And so he started making gallows for Mordecai. And he started doing that. And all these things. And so when that king heard what was going on, that's where Haman was. He got hung on his own gallows. So I tell you, the enemy better watch out because it's called reverse transfer. Reverse transfer. All right. Now, over in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 8. Chapter 11 and verse 8, it says, The righteous, they are delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 8. The righteous, they are delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. So Darius wrote another decree, glorifying, praising, blessing the name of the Lord. So the very two world empires were introduced to the glory and the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Excited about that? I am, I am, I am. The next time we'll meet together, we're going to be dealing with the vision in chapter 7 in regard to the things that happen and cause that. And as we look at that and understand that, it's one of the more prophetic chapters you will ever find in the book of Daniel. All right, prepare yourself for the Holy Communion. Those of you that are not acquainted with what we're doing, we are taking the Lord's Supper, and we do this every Tuesday. So get your bread, get your grape juice, get your supper ready, and we're going to receive the Holy Communion. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth took the Holy Communion every day of his life. When he came to got full of the Holy Ghost and fire, that's when it started, and he never ended that situation. Jesus said, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until I drink it with you anew in heaven. What a promise. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. Matthew 26 and verse 26. Hallelujah. We're going to have prayer just after we have the Holy Communion. Hallelujah. Those of you that are sick, you can get ready because I believe that the mighty touch of the Master is coming your way. In Matthew chapter 26 and in verse 26. Matthew 26, 26. This is a, they went to the upper room and or that they had a room already ready for, that they had. And this is what Jesus said. And uh, this is what he said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, he gave thanks, he gave it to all of them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission or forgiveness of sin. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth 
of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in Father's kingdom. May the Lord add the blessing to the reading of his glorious word. Take the piece of bread that you have in front of you there. Hold it in your hand. And we will pray over the bread. Jesus said, the bread is for our healing. The bread is for our healing. The bread is for our healing. So those of you that are infirmed in any way, any type of sickness, any type of pain, I don't care what name it's called, whatever the situation might be, but he is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. I am. And because he is the Lord that heals us, we shall receive. Remember that he was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And he's even called the living bread. And so now as we take off the living bread, it comes down to the molecules of our body. And we receive in every fiber of our being the power of Almighty God. Shall we eat together? Amen.
According to the word of God, we rebuke the devil and he will run in terror from us. He has to. He has to go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As, as I'm praying here in the spirit, I feel, I don't know who you are right now, but you've had a wounded heart. Some things have been done against you and it hurts you. In a very, very deep way. Jesus is the healer of broken hearts. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's the healer of broken hearts. Anyone listening out there, if your heart is wounded, turn to him. And he will heal your heart. Your physical heart. Your heart. He wants to touch you right now. By the power of the Spirit. The Bible said Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. All the things that we've gone through, all the pain, all the sickness, all the disease, all the things that have come upon us, Jesus paid it all. Jesus has paid it all. So right now, you get ready to receive, 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 receive. If you're not saved, this is the time to be saved. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Save me from all sin. I thank you for shedding your blood for me. I thank you for making me free. I thank you that right now I have freedom from the heavens on my heart and on my life. I turn my back from sin. I turn my back from the evil that I have done. I turn my back on everything wicked. And now I decide to follow you. I will follow you, Lord. I will praise you, Lord. I will adore your holy name. I will bless you. I will bless you, Lord. I thank you for saving me today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Friend, if you said that prayer, you're born again according to the word of God. By the believing of our heart, by the confession of our mouth, we are saved. Read Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It is applies to your heart today in your life. Use it in your being. And the Bible says, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But the freedom of God go to every soul that's listening right now. And joy unspeakable and full of glory be upon them right now. And let the peace of God rule and reign in their heart and in their life. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. That's right. Just raise your hands with it because that's what it is. Now, the way I see raising hands, it's not that a gun is stuck in your back. You remember when you're a little child, you'd like to run into daddy's arms and daddy'd pick you up when you'd run real fast? I remember that as a boy. And so that's what we're doing. We're running into father's arms and he's picking us up and giving us a big hug. <laughs> that's why we're raising hands. It's to receive of the father's love. Oh, we thank you for your love, Lord that you have placed inside of us, how we receive without condemnation. We receive. We receive by salvation. We are inoculated by the blood of Jesus, and we are set free in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit. Hallelujah. Well, friends, good being with you today. Write us. My writing address is 12808 
Adventure Drive, Riverview, Florida, 33579. Or you can do Fire Talk. You can do Fire Talk, too. You just look in your computer and more. God doing great things, touching people, healing people, setting you free. Why don't you write to, yeah, call and also write to Fire Talk. Fire Talk. Artos got all that information, and so that they will communicate with us about the situation, what happened, and all the wonderful things that are taking place. To this, we give the Lord all the glory, all the glory to the Lord Jesus, to the Father, to the Son, and to the Spirit. Hallelujah. He's doing great things. God's doing great things. Just give him praise, glory, and honor. Find a good gospel church to go to where you are living. The one that teaches the word of God in folks. Go to that kind of church. Church full of fire, full of glory, full of life. That's the kind of church you need to go to. Address yourself and go. So you need fellowship. You need to talk with one another. Speak about the good things of God. Yeah. 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 And so, if you're 100 miles, anywhere from 100 miles, come to the river. Right down. That's to put it in. Check it out. Know exactly where it's at. Come to the river. We invite you. We have some great services there. Power. The blessing of the Lord. In Tampa. Yeah, in Tampa. That's where it's at. Okay? Just walk 75. Real easy to get to. And uh, there will be a place waiting for you to see your smiling face. Amen. So when you get there, there are no strangers that come to the river. Because once you walk in the door, you're family. Once you walk in the door, you belong to the family. But the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Hallelujah. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart and mind. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.